Welcome to IdeaGen TV live from the Embassy of Ethiopia in Washington, D.C. Honored, privileged, inspired. I mean, where do we begin? Sergio Fernandez de Cordova, chairman of the Public Foundation. It is so great to have you back at IdeaGen. Thank you, George. It's a pleasure and an honor. Thank you. Um, most important line of business, a congratulations on your new son. Thank you. I want to thank you. Heartfelt best wishes. Not easy being a parent, making it look easy. <laughs> thank you so Congratulations. Much. And thank you. Sergio, leaning right into this interview, could you tell our global audience, the millions of folks that will be watching this program on IdeaGen TV, a little bit about what you're doing at the Public Foundation and maybe take it a step further from last time when we last interviewed, you were working on some incredible projects. Where are you at now? What's happening? Um, well, thank you so much again. Thank you for having me here at IdeaGen. And uh, with Public Foundation, you know, just really excited where, you know, the year really got off to an incredible start. And, uh, you know, we just wrapped up our Earth Day celebrations in, in Dallas, Texas, and uh, really celebrating the, you know, bringing island leaders together, family offices, and um, next-gen leaders. Okay. has really been one of our more exciting programs that has really taken off over the last 12 months is the youth negotiators and coming in to actually give context of what is actually going on on the ground and how policy should be applied uh, from global to subnational. Incredible. And so how has the organization, the public foundation evolved since its inception? And what are some of the key milestones you've achieved? Um, you know, our organization, I feel like since its inception, that's, that, that feels like a hundred years ago. And, uh, you know, our, our, our currencies are media, data, and technology. And our execution is we do programmatic development. And our focus is really at the multilateral space. So, you know, we try to really look at the sort of systems approach and, you know, how where media, data, and technology could really make that change. And, um, you know, how we've evolved, um, you know, it, it's been, uh, you know, a lot of the work that we do is across the UN system. Um, we support uh, various agencies from UN Women to UNDP to um, work alongside UNOP, um, the different programmatic executions, different, you know, different organisms do different work. Yeah. Um, you know, we just most recently, our family office platform is really taking off where we're bringing together some of the top families in the world that are looking to make that change. And then how do we create that peer to peer? Incredible network but really the thing that really excites me about our evolution is is our programs are starting to take off or right. different programs that some of these things at the global level and at scale they take time yeah they take time yeah. you know frankie the dinosaur as you know yeah that was just magical yeah you know, we're a dinosaur that's uh, the the video itself has been watched uh 2.2 billion times i mean they just stop counting uh the the the, the video has the, the messaging and the platform and the data that we've gathered uh, changed policy in six weeks of launching and has impacted, you know, over 150 countries. And, and it's just fascinating. Some of these things that you look at it and you, it, it, it's, it's elements of how media, data and technology media, because we're telling the story of creating the narrative, right? Data, we're measuring the feedback. We're actually listening to people, right? And technology is we're using that to push it back out. Yeah. to the member states, to the different organizations, and to understand here's real life information, real world yeah. information. And let's let's 
sort of culturalize this information so that you can make that change in your country. Incredible. And so as we're looking at the importance of data, specifically data for economic development and policy engagement, how do you believe this evolving landscape AI, AI since we last spoke, generative AI, all of the AI related transformative technologies that hit us, mm -hmm. what is happening? Well, we're not really focused on AI. I mean, I think that there's still a lot and, and, and we're going to hit a few walls, uh, you know, from a perspective of policy or lack thereof, right? The EU has been looking at a lot of policy. Uh, British and US government have been looking at a lot of policy. We know Asia has their own policy, China specific. So uh, Australia has been looking at different policy. It, 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 to us, we're really kind of more grounded really kind of looking at the, the focus of data, because if you don't understand what it is that you have, then mm -hmm. you're, co you're creating or uh, uh, AI is creating things based on misinformation or wrong information. I don't want to say misinformation as I spoke earlier, but just misinformation, meaning that the information that was gathered yeah. was not inputted yeah. correctly. Right. And the programs that we run, one of our big programs, which is the SDG Data Alliance, where we have uh, a, probably a third of the planet already onboarded, mm -hmm is we're focused on the policy. We're focused on, you know, as we as we explain to folks, data has the opportunity to change the world from an economic development perspective, but you have to sort of harvest it properly. It's it's and and, and really look at the geospatial element of it. Right. And that's really what we focus on. We say, you know, everybody, AI is, is kind of like if we were to use agriculture as an example, AI is grabbing the harvest and creating wheat, uh, grain, candy, uh, what have you with that. Right. right. But nobody's right. looking at where the seeds were planted and how the seeds were planted. Right. right. And then what type of dirt we use and what type of water we use. Right. And that's kind of like the example. So we're, that's where we are. We're right. looking at that very basic element of the data, the born on date. Where was it born? Who right. owns it? Do you have the right? right? We believe data is a human right and data is an asset class. Right. Right. Some of the friends that we heard earlier today don't buy into that, I, you know, because they're over commercializing the conversation. We have to first look at the human, then look at the geospecific, you know, geospatial, then build from there. Right. Right. A top down approach. Yes. Got us here. Disruption got us here, but it's no longer that. Right. So to get us to the next phase. And we're very steadfast focused on that. And we've just been really towing the line on, you know, data is an asset class, data is a human right. And we need to look at it from a geospatial uh, perspective. And that's a beautiful thing because you're measuring, you're looking at the data exactly. and you're helping to make informed decisions on behalf of the foundation. And so what is a recent project? There's so many, and you've mentioned a few today, but what is that project that you're so incredibly proud of? Well, I, I, it's like asking someone that has 10 children, which one do you love the most? It's a hard question to answer. And, and um, the, uh, to me, it still goes back to the data, right? I think the thing we're the proudest of most is next week I'll be in uh, Rotterdam at the, uh, at the World Geospatial uh, World Leadership Summit, right. where we've been awarded, um, you know, Foundation of the Year program for having Development Program of the Year. Uh, for being one of the most successful organizations and actually implementing this across the UN system, across the government wow. system, subnationally, and um, to me that just is, is, I have to say, it's it's the, the proudest moment as as a, as a foundation head of and, and founder 
because this is really meaningful, right? We've won many awards, but this is really at the core of, you know, us educating, you know, you know, we talked to had a couple of heads of government what we were with last week talking about how the value of geospatial data and governance around that and policy around it could help them with their issues on securing debt from IMF, right? Looking mm -hmm. at how to actually have independence mm -hmm. and economic evolution based on just well, if there's a trillion dollar company, don't go after their revenue. It's not yours, right? Look at and learn from them on how they were able to value that and understand the value proposition. Right. Because data has a parapet value of one to one if you're right. a third world country or a first world country. That's right. Our data still has a one to one value. That's so that and then utilizing that to build a framework to the national contingencies and regional as well, then we're giving them the tools to really have their Incredible. economic dependence and the evolution of data. And then they can talk about all that AI stuff. But to me, you know, that's kind of the flavor of the month. Yeah. The markets are moving. Right. Everybody's making a lot of money. Right. A lot of my friends are killing it with this, you know, following the trend. You know, we're, you know, a little bit more institutional and, and, and conservative in our approach of just staying really focused on, you know, the, the core bones of, of the foundation. And you know that's so powerful because you're you're staying consistent and true to the mission. Yes, and that's what you're saying. The public foundation is not wavering based on whatever the headlines are. No, data driven, data driven decision making, democratization of data. That's where you're at. Absolutely. And so, what motivates you to continue working in this field, this incredibly inspiring field of social change, and what advice? Sergio, would you give to others? What is that advice that you give to others interested in pursuing this field? Well, what motivates me as an entrepreneur first and been an entrepreneur since I was 12 years old and building businesses is that there is a lack of private sector intelligence in the public sector. And, you know, if I were to run any organization from government to a multilateral organization, I would absolutely implement a year of business right just understanding how to earn a dollar in order to spend a dollar uh if you manage money and i think what really excites me in this space is that public sector leaders really need to help want to help the the, the private sector is leading on innovation us on tech and uh china and, and all the other countries are leading but nobody's sharing they're going to government to sell right they think government is a client rather than they think the public sector is a partner, right? And that's what we're trying to change the narrative and say, no, you're, you're going about it the wrong way. And then what happens is you privatize things. When you privatize things in the public sector, you're not advancing it, you're going backwards, right? So to me, that is one of the greatest opportunities. And yes, I'm probably one of the few people that are championing it because Everybody, as you were mentioning earlier, everybody comes with an agenda, right? And it's funny, I love that you said that earlier because I always ask people the questions, what is your agenda? People find that offensive. I said, I just want to understand your DNA, maybe the chromosomes of who, what makes you tick and why you're here so you can figure out how to actually build something that's meaningful and has purpose and has an evolution. And when you look at the public sector, they need private sector more than ever. But they need the IP, they need the intelligence, they need the purpose driven, they want that passion because that's because they don't have that experience. So they're going to 
lean across and try to bring in that experience, but they can't be taken advantage of. Right. And we're seeing that happen over and over and over again. And this is the polarization because you have, you know, and, and it's also creating a, uh, um, the haves and have nots is getting greater and greater. And, and, and to me, you know, we're watching this. I've watched this over the last 20 years and, and that's what excites me. You know, it's a long answer to a short question, but it's something that drives me yeah. around public-private partnerships. And we started the foundation said media, data, and technology is not going to be the control. It, it's a currency. Yeah, It's our currency on how we help create programs to create solutions. And then we go out, and it's not our technology. It's not our data. We're just helping curate so that everybody, you know, we set the table. Yeah. So they work together Incredible. and then accomplish that's why we work together. That's why we're always so excited to talk to you and the public foundation, because we're excited about the future of the foundation and you can't, you can't do it in a vacuum. No one can do it alone. No, no one, you need not one government, right? Not yeah. government, not public sector, private sector, NGOs. And, and I think the UN talks a lot about that now, public sector, private, you know, private, more sector, than ever, no. more than ever. As you mentioned in midterms, we need private secretary general said, we need private sector more than ever, but we need their intelligence, right? We need their ability to solve problems to help us scale solutions so that we could eradicate poverty, so we could scale education, right? So we could end violence against women, so we could actually have access to water for all, right? So we could have connectivity for all. Connectivity should be a human right, right? As is water. So there, there is, and, that, and, and we have that intelligence on the yeah. other side with the yeah. private sector. Well, I think what you've seen, and we talked about this a lot uh, during our um, interviews here at the embassy today, is the disparities in COVID and all the things we've that have transpired over the past few years have shown a light on that, haven't they? Yes. And when you think about the problems just in the United States of America, the leading country on the planet Earth, and then you juxtapose that on the rest of the world, we sort of know where the issues are. Mm -hmm. We know where the communities are. We, we know where the people are. We have the data now. And now we can hopefully direct through efforts, through organizations like the Public Foundation, the resources, the talent, the technology, all of that to solve those problems. No, exactly. I mean, it, it's out there. We talk to member states and they say, well, how do I solve, you know, that, that, you know, we start to hear is the blue economy. Mm -hmm. Right, the blue economy, mm -hmm. and 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 if you understand the you know the sort of seabed authority and the laws that govern the oceans mm -hmm. and the waters, right? There is you know now that we have data, we can quantify. That's the other element. Quantify that a small island state, their blue economy is worth 10x their GDP, but everybody's coming into their backyard. Right, they don't have the technology to protect their backyard, and they're taking all the fish, they're taking all their harvest. Incredible. Right. And monetizing it. And these are these are ways that we could solve. And that's what every you know, when, when people look at the UN, they don't understand. That's one of the things that we do with our family office program. We have a, a um, you know, sort of an IP that we developed internally on educate, engage and activate. Mm -hmm. Right. Let's let's forget everything. Let's mm -hmm. go slow to go fast. Right. Let's get everybody educated, because when people when you look at you mentioned COVID, UN was one of the only programs in the planet that every single human in that infrastructure was out on the field working yeah nobody talked about it oh. right nobody not one person talked about it. nobody celebrated a million people on the ground saving lives moving product 
providing masks, mm-hmm. moving vaccines, or, or just medicine, yeah, right, to yeah. people that need it because the world stopped. And it and the folks in the UN and I know many many of my friends that literally were like what 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 pandemic I've been working nonstop yeah. just been yeah. working double overtime yeah. and 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 those those that these infrastructures exist to, to make this planet better well and that's why the future looks so much brighter with folks like yourself and the Public Foundation leading the way to help solve for. and so what does that future look like for the Public Foundation what does it look like and how can we accelerate we're at the midterm. Again, not the U.S. midterms. The midterms are <laughs> the global goals. How can we accelerate progress? So what does the future look like for the Public Foundation? And the final word is, how do we get there? What are we doing with the goals? Um, well, we're excited about the midterms. It's, it's an opportunity to, um, you know, for it, it, more than anything, it's just a, it's a check. Right. People to realize, hey, let's look back we're at the halfway mark. So what have we done? Yeah. We haven't. Right. And then what can we do? And then learn from each other because a lot, again, this happens in government as well. They don't share IP. They don't share best practices. That's right. Right. So that's, again, what we do with the data is we forcibly share best practices. Yeah. This is what Zimbabwe is doing. This is what Ethiopia is doing. This is what Barbados is doing with Caracom. Right. So what do we see as, you know, what's exciting about the futures that we're seeing progress, right? And and we're seeing technology start to play a very important role, not an extractive role, but a multi-stakeholder role. And and I see, you know, to me, call me crazy, but I, I see a lot of scale that will happen in the impact world, in the multilateral world. Um, and and I think that uh, we do have an opportunity to, to really make sure that there's nobody that's starving, make sure that there's nobody out there that can't call home to mom, make sure that there's nobody out there that um, doesn't have the basic human rights. And and I think that, you know, I, I feel like working towards that, I, it, to me is, is, is a, um, a huge positive and I feel we're getting, I think the pandemic gave everybody a wake up call. You know, we saw the swans go back to Venice and we saw the bears come out and, you know, the animals were roaming the streets because the humans yeah. were not destroying their ecosystem. Right. And I think that that wake up call in one way or another, whether it worked for 1% of people or 10% or 90%, it, it, it was, it was fed to everybody that, Hey, we are the problem. And then we could also be the solution. So to me, there's hope. Um, and I think that this next generation alpha, right is I believe is going to be, you know, where our, our, all of our bets should be on. And, and I'm just excited to, you know, again, to uh, continue to grow the foundation. You know, we're on year 11 of infinity. Um, you know, this was designed as an institution. It's not about me. It's not about, it's, it's for us to, you know, build, and as I always tell folks, with the foundation, we're building infrastructure, right? You don't, you don't build a highway 15 times. You know, you fix it, you change it, you grow it. And, and that's really been my goal and for this to be around for hundreds of years. Sergio Fernandez de Cordova, chairman of the Public Foundation, changing the world, luminary leader. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you.